Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Uh, stop by my office, I got a Pop-Tart. I'll give you one of <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I want to thank everybody that sent Joanna cards and get well wishes and appreciate that so much. And uh, she's started on-site therapy now and is doing, doing well. Well, I want us to go back to the book of Daniel. I had planned to be somewhere else this morning, but I just couldn't get away from Daniel. Yeah, and uh, uh, Daniel was a young man that was living in a hostile land. He was a Hebrew, and God, through Jeremiah and Isaiah, had warned the Hebrew people that they needed to repent and turn to God or they were, he was going to send them into exile, and they never did that. And so God sent them into exile. He used a foreign king and a foreign nation to punish them for their disobedience and their defiance. And Daniel was one of several young Hebrew men who had great potential. And so the king taught, took them to teach them uh, that they might be wise men and advise the king. And in his lifetime, which spanned about 80 years in Babylon, uh, they were there 70 years, he, he served several different kings. Uh, and uh, this morning I want us to look at two of those, a pair of kings that he served under, and one was Nebuchadnezzar. And if you'll remember, last week we talked about God had revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar in a great dream, and Nebuchadnezzar did not understand the dream, and it, it, it frightened him. Uh, it, and uh, so he asked all the wise men of the land to give him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And you'll remember that Daniel was one of his wise men, and he came to the king, and he asked the king, he said, if you'll give me time to approach God and pray about this, I'll see if God will give me the, the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And so he enlisted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, they prayed, and God revealed the dream to him, what it was and what it meant, and he revealed it to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, later, God speaks through him, and he tells Nebuchadnezzar that he's getting, when I was a little kid, my dad used this phrase, he was getting too big for his britches. You ever hear that phrase? He was beginning to think that he was self-reliant and self-sufficient and that all the great things that had happened in his life had happened because Nebuchadnezzar was smart and a great king. When in fact, everything that had happened to him, God had caused it to happen and had blessed him because he was using him to chastise Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar was warned, said, if you don't straighten up, uh, bad things are going to befall you. And, and, and so I have referred to him as the mad king because uh, if we look at that uh, book of Daniel, the fourth chapter, it says it came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking about the royal palace in Babylon and he spoke saying, is not this the great Babylon that I have built 
for a royal dwelling by my mighty power for the honor of my majesty. And while the word was still in his mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And he became a madman. He left the throne and the palace and the glory and the comfort of the palace, and he went out into the field, and he roamed like a wild animal. It says that he ate the grass of the field as if he were grazing in it like a sheep or a cow or something like that. that. There's actually a, a term for that. It's uh, lycanthropia. Uh, th- well, phobia. It's hard for me to say because I'm not a psychologist, but there are people who think there are animals. You know, I heard about the young couple that said that they, their, their uncle thought he was a chicken. And they were talking to the pastor, and the pastor said, well, we need to get him some help, and we'll pray for him, and we'll get him healed. And, and the young man said, well, no, don't do that. We need the eggs. Ooh, that's bad. Mental illness is not something to joke about. It really isn't. And, and this is a serious situation that has been befalls him. And for seven years, he wanders around thinking he's something other than a man. And then, this is where we want to sit down with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in the 34th verse of that chapter, he says, At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him, him who lives forever. What he begins in these next few verses is a personal testimony. It's not Daniel telling the story of Nebuchadnezzar at this point. It is Nebuchadnezzar saying to the reader, here's what happened to me. This really happened to me. I became like a wild animal. I rolled the fields. I was down on all four. I ate the grass of the field. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, want to tell you this story because it has a point, and I want you to understand that. He says that in the midst of this, uh, he turned his eyes toward heaven. He recognized that what had befallen him was because of the sin that was in his life and because he had refused to honor God and that he had taken credit for the blessings God had given him in his life and he had defied God. He had thought he was self-sufficient and he was full of pride. And so uh, he, he talks about this uh, and, and he tells us ab- about his suffering and he tells us that these things happen. Uh, but he turns at the end of the seven years to God and he lifts his high, uh, eyes to heaven and he recognizes God's power and authority. Listen what he says about God. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? He says to him, I I recognize his power and his authority and that his power is complete and his authority is complete and that he has a say in the affairs of men and the directions of men. Uh, and he says, look, uh, no one can restrain God's hand. And, and basically what he's given is a confession that he had been defiant of God and God now 
had punished him. And now he has recognized that and he's returning to God. And so we see his restoration in verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excelled majesty was added to me. Now, here's something you need to understand about Babylonian history. Nebuchadnezzar had more than one wife. He had what we would call a harem. And in his day, it was common that that was often the place where sedition and rebellion arose because the concubines and the wives would compete about, I want my son to be the next king. Well, no, my son's going to be the next king. And there was a lot of backstabbing and there was a lot of things that went on in the back in the political uh, situation. So imagine this. He's got these 120 sand traps that want rid of him. Uh, and, and, and now they're rid of him and they're kind of running the country. And you can imagine they're arguing among themselves who's going to be the best, who's going to be the greatest. And for seven years he's out here in the field. Now, the whole country could have changed in that time. There could have been rebellion. There could have been civil war within Babylon over who's going to rule because the throne was vacant. But for seven years God preserved it because he was working on Babylon. Babylon, and he was working on Nebuchadnezzar to bring him to himself. And so when the time came, it was easy for God to just restore him to the throne. And those who had served him came and served him again, and he became the king as he was, even with greater glory. Uh, He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are true, his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. He, He says, look, God's ways are true. There's no deception in God. There is no falseness in God. There's no mistake in God or any of his actions. All of his ways are true and his ways are just. He said, if God punishes you, you got it coming. And he's saying, basically, I had this coming because of my pride and arrogance. And he uses that phrase. He said, he, he is able to put down those who walk in pride. Pride is the sin that separates us from God more than anything. It's the sin that made the devil fall from God's grace. And, and, and self-sufficient in pride keeps us from the throne of grace. I don't know how many people I've talked to uh, trying to lead them to the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and pride's in the way. Well, I'm not a sinner. I'm just as good as my neighbor. And they can't bring themselves to admit that they're a sinner. But here's what I want you to see about Nebuchadnezzar. He gives a personal testimony. I, Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what happened. We talk in this church, when we talk about stewardship, about four things. That every Christian believer is blessed with and is a steward of. Number one is your time. How do you spend your time? Do you spend a part of your time giving God glory? Worshiping God? studying God's Word, pray. We talk about your talent. Everybody has a talent. Uh, everybody has something that, that they can do that God's blessed them to do. Listen, I, I, I've told this story before, but one of the best talents I ever saw was I had a little lady in the church in Ohio, and her talent was snickerdoodles. Man, she'd bake snickerdoodles. She'd bake tons of snickerdoodles. Then she'd go see the neighbors. Hey, I brought you some snickerdoodles. By the way, we're having an evangelist at church Sunday. Why don't you come? 
She'd take him to the neighbor and say, here, here's some snickerdoodles for you and your kids. By the way, we're having vacation Bible school at Kid. Can I pick up your kids and take them to vacation Bible school? And snickerdoodles were her talent and her witness. I, I, I was tempted one Sunday and I said, how many people are, are, are here this morning because of snickerdoodles? I was amazed the number of people who'd received snickerdoodles over the hand, ears and lifted their hands. Uh, our treasure. God has blessed us all differently. He's been very good to me. Uh, but that treasure doesn't belong to you or me. It belongs to God. And we're just a steward of it. And then lastly, we add testimony. Everybody has a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar had a great testimony. It was, it was personal to him. And you understand, that's what a test testimony is. There are common elements of salvation. Everybody in this room, at some point, that is a Christian, admitted they were a sinner. And that's hard to do. They believed that Christ died on the cross for them. And they confessed Him as Lord. That is the common road, the way that Jesus talked about that is narrow and few find it. He said, it's the only way you can come to the Father. And we who are believers in Christ have that in common. But the other side of the coin is everybody's story here is unique. Everybody's experience is different. And you need to be able to speak up and say, I, and then like Nebuchadnezzar, fill in the blanks. I was in the grips of alcohol. I was in the grips of lust. I wasn't a bad guy. I was just as good as anybody else, I thought. And then it falls from there. Personal testimony. And you're responsible for that. It is unique to you. And it is unique in who it will influence. There are people that will listen to you that won't listen to me. I had a lady, great lady in our church pass away. Her husband come to the funeral as far as I know it's the only time he's ever in the church. And I started, I would try to go to see him. And when I'd come to the door and knock on the front door, he'd go out the back. Didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want nothing to do with no preacher. Made it pretty plain. Uh, sometimes I think he was there, he just didn't come to the door. And I was telling my friend Ralph Michael about this, and Ralph had been a boyhood friend of this fellow, and Ralph had had a rough life, but Ralph was saved and was a Gideon. And he said, you care if I go preacher? I said, no, I don't. Ralph went and knocked on the door. He not only let him in, he talked to him, he invited him back. On the third time back, Ralph led him to the Lord. See, God used him. And if you allow him to do it, God will use you with those who are uniquely listening to you and your testimony. Second king is a Darius and I, I call him the glad king. Um, you know the story. We've talked about it before. Uh, he had these advisors in his kingdom, and they were like all politicians. Their main concern was to stay in power. They wanted to be in the limelight and make the money and do the things. And so they were threatened, they felt, by Daniel. So they cooked up a scheme. And they said, we're not going to let anybody make any petition, that is a prayer, to anything or anybody but the king. 
for a certain number of days. And they passed that, and they posted it. And you know the story. Daniel went home. He went into his room. He threw open the, the doors. He knelt, and he faced toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day. Got him arrested. And uh, so he's brought before Darius. And, and the, these guys bring their accusations. They, they say, listen, here, here he is. He, he, he is uh, uh, defying the law of the land, which was the law of the Medes and Persian, which is irrevocable. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives of Judah, does not show due respect for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but he still makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king, he blamed himself. He said, man, I should have read that before I signed it. There's a lesson for you. Read it before you sign it. He says, uh, and all day long, he tries to figure out a way to, to get around this law, but it's, a, it's established and he can't. Uh, and then these men approached the king and said, No, king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no decree or sol sol uh, statute of the king may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He says, it's not his God, it's Daniel's God. He said, your God, who you serve, will deliver you. He had watched Daniel. He had seen Daniel's courage. He had seen Daniel develop. He knew the character of the man. He knew his faithfulness to God. And he said, listen, Daniel, uh, God will get you out of this. I, I couldn't, but he will. Then he spends a long night. If you look at verses 18 to 22, uh, it says that... Uh, his sleep went from him. He fasted and he asked for no musicians. Uh, and then early in the morning, he made haste to get to the lion's den. And he came with a lamenting voice saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and I have done no wrong to you. Now the king has a personal experience. He started out talking about Daniel's God, but now he writes a decree. And the king wrote, to all the peoples and nations and languages that dwell on all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders at heaven and earth who delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. See, that 23rd verse says that when the king heard Daniel's voice and Daniel said, O king, live forever, it says he was exceedingly glad. Uh, that term in Hebrew means he was beside himself with happiness. You ever you understand that term? He was so happy he just couldn't stand it. 
He might even shed tears of joy as he was hearing Daniel's voice and Daniel's coming out of the lion's den and he's not been hurt and nothing has happened to him. And now the king realizes this God of Daniel is the God. Uh, and, and he talks about three things in his declaration about God. In verse 26, he, said, he says, I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. There's a great biblical term, immutable. You know what immutable means? It means unchangeable. It means beyond that. It means it cannot change. He had had a law, the Medes and Persians he did, issued, and it was unchangeable. But now he realizes the one true God, and he says, there's the thing that is unchangeable. He does not change from season to season. He does not change through the flow of time of history. The God of today is the God of yesterday. The God of Abraham is the God of Isaac, and the God of Ray Dieter, and the God of you. And he is the same in the future. Listen, in a world where everything is crazy, prices are Stock markets, relationships. It is good to know that we can build our lives on the promises of a God who does not change. When he says that he gave his son that if we believe in him we might have eternal life, that never changes. When he says you belong to me, when you accept my son. That never changes. When he says you are adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ into the family of God and become joint heirs with him of the eternal things of glory, that never changes. Everything else in the world changes. But he remains the same, steadfast and sure forever, without beginning or end. He created time, but he was before time. One day time will end and time will be no more, but he will still be. He is a God of deliverance, that 27th verse. He says he delivers and rescues. He delivers and rescues. Uh, neighbor, when we lived up north, had a pool party. And a fellow I went to high school with, he was about 45 years old at the time, an engineer, smart guy, but he couldn't swim. And he was sitting there on the lawn chair by the pool watching the kids swim. And he decided he had figured it out. So he just got up and jumped in the deep end of the pool. His brother-in-law pulled him out resuscitated him and saved his life. He rescued him. He jumped into the pool on his own. He thought he had figured it out. He told me later, I'd been watching everybody and I'm an engineer and I figured out how you swim. But it, it didn't work that way. He sank like a rock, rock 10 foot down. And if his brother-in-law hadn't had training, he rescued him. My grandson that goes to Purdue is having a Great summer, he's a lifeguard for the Terre Haute City Pools, and he's really in, enjoying that. 
And I teased him. I said, have you rescued anybody yet? And he said, no, I haven't had to do that. I said, it's been good. Uh, but the truth is everybody needs rescued. We are slaves to sin. And we have jumped off into the deep end of the pool thinking we can take care of ourselves. And like my friend, we just sink like a rock. And we need somebody to pull it out. And God does that. That's what it means when it says He gave His only begotten Son. It is about rescue and redemption and life. He's a God of deliverance. And then He says He's a God who reveals Himself. Listen, the Scripture tells us His ways are so much above us we couldn't figure it out on our own. So He has to reach out to us and, and teach us and show us uh, he, and his work and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth Paul in the book of Romans said you ought to look around at nature and see the order in nature and the marvelous th- way God has created things and the intricacy of it and know that there's a creator behind that it just didn't happen And God is not hiding from us. It is His intention that we know Him. He reaches out to us. That's why He gave us His Holy Word. That's why He calls fellows at 15 years old to go and preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why He calls folks like Mark and Vesta Sauter to go to the mission field. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. God who at various times and in his various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. He said God did it all. He reveals Himself to us. He sent His Son to deliver us from sin. He seats Him at the right hand of the, the Father in heaven to make intercession for the saints. And it is all because He's trying to reveal Himself to us. Look, read the New Testament and, and look at the wonders of Jesus. Other than when He turned the water to wine, and I'd, ag- I'd a- a- argue we can make the same argument there. He never did a miracle just to be a new miracle. Every miracle he did was assigned to an unbelieving crowd that surrounded him that they might see and know that he was God. That they might see and know that what he said was true. That they might believe what he said was true. He did signs and wonders that people might say, wait a minute, this is not possible. How could this have happened? It must be from God. And he is revealing himself to us. <coughs> Pair of kings. One was mad, one was glad. But the common thread through their lives was Daniel, the servant of the living God. Uh, if you look at that sixth ch- chapter, the 28th verse, it says, So Daniel, this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God blessed Daniel because of his faithfulness. 
There's a great hymn. Robert could tell you. I, I'm not familiar with it, but I was reading this week and I saw it. P.B. Bliss. It's an old gospel hymn, Dare to be a Daniel. And, and the hymn talks about Daniel. And it, it, one of the things it says, dare to stand alone. Dare to stand alone. Now, Daniel alone went into his room. Daniel alone threw the window open. Daniel alone nailed three times and faced heaven. And Daniel alone stood before the king accused. But we're never truly alone when we're a follower of Jesus Christ. We're never truly alone when we stand on the Word of God when we stand on the promises of God, when we stand on the foundation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says in Daniel 6.22, King, God sent an angel. There's a great painting I've, I've referred to here before. I've tried to find a copy of it. I saw it many years ago. It's Daniel in the lion's den, and there's a window in the lion's den, and all the lions are behind him, and Daniel's standing there with his hands behind him, looking out the window toward heaven unfazed by the lions behind him. Not alone, but in the presence of a mighty God. Uh, you have, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And those times when you feel alone, you need to just fall back on the Holy Spirit and say, I need your strength. I need your comfort. I need your guidance. And you have the family of a church if you're listening to me and you don't belong to a Bible-believing church, I encourage you to do that. The best thing to do is be in church on Sunday morning around people that know and love Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, remember old Elijah? The day after the greatest day of his life on Mount Carmel, king, the, the king's wife, Jezebel, said, I'm going to make him dead. All the prophets of Baal that I worshipped are dead, and I'm going to make him the same way. And he ran for his life. He became depressed. He ran into the mountains. And, 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 and when God came to talk to me, it was Elijah was, oh boy, woe is me. He's just had the great, great victory on Mount Carmel, but here he is out in the wilderness and he said, man, I can't do this anymore. I'm all by myself. And God spoke to him. And one of the things he, he, did, he told him was, there are 7,000 in Israel who've never worshipped the false god. They have always worshipped me. And they are with me. And because they are with me, they are with you. Listen, I know sometimes you feel alone. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're never truly alone. So you need to learn to stand in the midst of that time and declare Jesus Christ is the Lord. It, it, the song says... Dare to be firm in your purpose. And he was a young man and was brought into in the court of the Babylonian king. They said, look, we're going to give you fine clothes. We're going to give you a great place to live. You're not going to work hard like a slave. You're going to be treated like royalty. And we're going to teach you. And you're going to advise the king in, thing, in matters that need wisdom. And, and you'll eat from the king's table. He and the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the table, and it was non-kosher. And they were Hebrew. They ate only kosher diet. And they said, we can't eat this stuff. It is an offense to our God. So the king gave special permission. He said, for a number of days, I think it was 10, he said, let them eat their diet and see what happened. 
At the end of that time, they were stronger than any of the ones that had eaten the king's diet, and they had developed more than any of those. So you see, in Daniel's life, he stood firm right from the time he was a young man till now he's 80 years old and the king throws him in with the lions. But he does not waver. He stands firm in what he believes. Listen, I know what I know that I know I believe. I believe this is infallible, inerrant, and inspired. I believe God can do and accomplish anything. I believe there's a heaven for those who love Him and a hell for those who reject Him. I believe that His justice is sure, but I believe His intercession is pure on behalf of those who trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Remember what Jesus said? He didn't say sit on the rock. He didn't say stumble across the rock. He said stand on the rock. Build your life on the rock of the truth of the gospel. Stand firm. And dare to make it known. Daniel never hid his devotion to God. He could have prayed behind closed windows and they probably would have never got him arrested. But he went up and threw the windows open because that's the way he did it. And he knelt down and he faced Jerusalem because that's the way he did it. And he stood firm and he made known his trust in the gospel. Nick, have you got that picture of that young lady? Our uh, coordinators of the work of the missions with the death are in Africa, Mark and Vesta. And they're there for several days, do, uh, weeks actually doing training. And I just, thank you. I just sent this to Nick this morning because I just got it this morning. This is Emma. Emma was born in Sierra Leone death. Her parents were Muslim. They thought they were being punished because she was born deaf. And so they beat her continuously. Finally, they gave her to a man not of her choice when she was young to marry in the hopes that he would straighten her out. She had a child. He beat her daily because she was deaf. Can you imagine that? She went to work. She moved to Dakar and went to work at the death school there. And at the death school, she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Her husband abandoned her. Her family had long since given up on her. And now that she's accepted Jesus Christ, they rejected her more than ever. She was baptized in the Atlantic Ocean. She invited 50 people that she knew. All of them were Muslim. And she dared to walk out into the Atlantic Ocean and one of our Southern Baptist missionaries baptized her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God has blessed her as she continues to work at the school. Show that next young man. This is Samuel. Samuel's 42 years old. He came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior through the work of death, Southern Baptist, missionaries of the Southern Baptist to the death. He is death, born death. He speaks an unusual sign. And the Bible, he cannot read. 95% of the deaf people in the world cannot read. And he only knew three Bible studies 
for the missionaries, but they were enough to get saved. He has been this week in the meeting in Africa with Mark and Vesta. He's the first one there every morning, and he's the last one to live every evening. And he is learning no less than three Bible stories in his native sign every day. And he is so excited, he cannot wait to get back to his native country so he can begin to preach the gospel in sign that people might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I would tell you where he's going. I can't say where, but where he's going. His life physically is in great danger, but he's excited about going because he wants to share the gospel with other deaf people who he's not been able to share with because he was not able to sign the stories. But now he can, and he's willing to stand. Do you understand what I'm saying? If Emma and Samuel are worth willing to rest their physical life to affirm what they know and believe about Jesus Christ and to make it known to those around them, how dare we, how dare we remain silent when we have opportunities each and every day to say, this is my testimony. I was lost, but Jesus found me. Like a sheep that went astray, he threw his loving arms around me and drew me back into his way. Our Heavenly Father, we pray you'll make each of us a Daniel, that we will stand firm, Lord, that we will stand. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.